Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. All right, if you got your word, turn me to James chapter 1. I got a couple of woohoos. I'm going to read one verse. I'm going to pray. Uh, I'm going to jump in this because I've got a lot of scripture this morning I want to kind of share with you guys out of the book of James. So, uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. Tim, I'll try my best to not confuse you too much this morning. All right, James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's pray over the word real quick. Father God, once again, we thank you for today. Lord, I do thank you for your presence and for your anointing that's in this house. Lord, I thank you for your word and the way it speaks truth and life into us, God. And Lord, once again, as Gary said, Lord, I I pray for the families up in Connecticut. I pray for all those who lost loved ones. And Lord, I pray that whatever is good that's going to come out of this begins to take place and lives begin to be changed and people begin to be transformed by your anointing and by your presence. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So over the last few weeks, PT has been talking to us about the battlefield. And I was thinking about that this week and I was going to try to speak one of his messages and try to stay on point with the battlefield. And God took me right back to the book of James where we've been on Wednesday nights. And that's where we're going to kind of hit that. And I'm going to kind of correlate that a little bit with the battlefield this morning. Um, And I wonder how many of us truly understand and know that you are in a battle. A lot of us take life for granted. We take things for granted a lot of times. But we truly are, and we need to understand that we truly are in a battle. Now, some of us, probably more than others, understand the struggles and the trials and the battles that take place more than others because it's really hitting home with us. But you know what? God never said that being a Christian was going to be easy. No one, not God the Father, not Jesus, not the Holy Spirit, ever said that the Christian life would be easy. We don't like to hear that. Man, we like to be able to say, you know what? I'm a child of God. Man, everything's going to be great. If my daughter was in here, I'd use the word hunky-dory because she loves it when I use that word. Makes me feel old, I guess, to her. But in fact, the Bible tells us that we can expect the opposite. Trials are going to come. Battles are going to come. But we've got to be ready for them when they do come. So in the book of James, even though we face these trials, God wants us to grow stronger and become more like him. Man, how awesome is that to think that when I go through something and I struggle with something and I come through, I am more like God, the creator of the universe, the savior of my soul. I am more like him because I've come through this situation. I mean, that's, it just blows my mind to think that. You know, you struggle with something and, you know, life has not been perfect. We've all struggled with things. But when you come through with a better understanding of what happened, I mean, you're closer to God than you've ever been. And you're more like him than you've ever been. And like I said earlier, over the last few weeks in Renovate, we've been studying the book of James, and we've been in a a Bible study, and I've just simply entitled it Hear and Do. 
And so this morning, I just want to share with you some scriptures out of the book of James and just kind of, it won't really be a preaching, more of a teaching, I guess, because that's kind of how we've been doing it on Wednesday nights. We've been in a study instead of just a in-your-face uh, preaching type thing. But the book of James is kind of like your manual for Christian living. I don't know how many of you have read the book of James much, but um, James, he plainly tells us how to be prepared for the battle and for the trials when they come, all right? And I was thinking about James, and I told Renovate the other week, how many of you ever seen the books, you know, like Excel for Dummies and Windows for Dummies? James is pretty much Christian living for dummies, all right? It pretty much is. When you read the book of James, it's plain, it's straightforward, and you understand exactly what he's telling you. That's why I like the book of James, and that's why we've been trying to break this thing apart and talk to these young people about this stuff. But James talks about the trials and how we are to respond to them when they come. So I'm going to jump in this thing and start reading some scriptures, and we're going to talk about them a little bit. Is that okay? We're getting the word this morning? James chapter 1, starting in verse 1. James says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So he starts out in the very first verse telling us that there are trials and there are struggles going on because he is reaching out to all the churches and it says that they are scattered abroad. And I take that meaning that, man, they're going through some stuff. They're not all, not all together and, and worshiping God and, and just loving God together. They're scattered because things of this world have come against them and they've had to move here and there and everywhere and they're just kind of scattered out. Maybe in their mind or in their hearts they're scattered. And he's saying, you know what? These trials are here, but this is what can take place. In verse 2 it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now I don't know about you, but when things have come my way and bad things have come my way, the first thing I did was not jump up and down, just woo. That's just human nature. We don't do that. But he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many of us need more patience? Oh, God. That's the end of my message. Let's, let's go. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God wants you to be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. And that's what happens when we go through these trials and we come through and we realize who God really is. Now, I want to skip down to verse 19 because James goes on to tell us in verse 19 and 20 the qualities that we need, that we have to possess when we're in this battle. Verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of of God. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. It's almost like God is speaking through James and he's asking us this question. Are you listening? Do you hear what I'm trying to tell you? You know, I've heard it said before and you guys have too and, and we kind of cut up about this a little bit and renovate a few weeks ago but I've always heard that we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should be listening twice as much as we talk. So Rocky, this is for you. Shut it. <laughs> Rocky knows I love him. 
But too many of us are quick to judge others instead of sitting back and listening and getting all the details. It's just so easy to to judge and to speak and bring it forth. And I wonder how many of us can't hear God talking to us because we won't stop talking ourselves. Man, that's what James is saying here. It says, slow to speak, slow to wrath, but swift to hear. We've got to be listening to what God is trying to tell us. And if we keep talking, we're, not, we're never going to hear it. We're never going to truly understand what he's trying to tell us. And man, I like James because he is plain, he is simple, and he tells us what we are supposed to be doing. And I'm going to tell you what he tells us we are supposed to be doing. Y'all ready? We are supposed to be doing. Did you get that? What we are supposed to be doing is we are supposed to be doing not sitting back, letting somebody else take care of it. We're supposed to be out there ourselves doing it, doing the word. James, uh, let's sit down to verse 21. It says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. To me, that means we've got to push aside all this garbage that we're taking into the world whether it's through music or TV or, or movies, whatever it is, push aside that stuff and take in this, the implanted word of God. This is the only thing that's going to save your soul. That person sitting next to you cannot save your soul. It doesn't matter how many times you go to them and they pray for you and they wrap their arms around you and we need to do that as Christians. But it doesn't matter how many times that takes place. If you do not have this in you and you do not have the gift of salvation and the presence of God, it means nothing. That's what James is saying. I mean, I'm telling you, man, he's simple. I love it. But verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearing other, not hearing only, deceiving yourselves. The best way to be prepared for the battle is to hear what you're supposed to do and go do it. Listen and learn. You know, I get on to my son sometimes. He comes home and from school and, dude, I, Dad, I don't think I did get on this test. Why not? I wasn't listening. Well, there, there you go. You listen and you learn, and it's going to happen. It's going to take place. And I learned that this, this past year. I've always coached football and baseball a little bit with Alec. Since he was four years old, I've helped coach baseball and football. But this year, I had the opportunity to help coach at Hillcrest High School, and that's a totally different animal, helping coach high school kids because they know it all, and you can't tell them anything. Exhibit A. I'm, I'm kidding. Now I love it. I wouldn't do anything else. But the one thing I learned is at practice, coaches are out there instructing kids Tell them the plays, helping them run the plays, and, and letting them know what the game plan is going to be for Friday night. Okay? But when it comes Friday night, it's up to the players to execute the game plan and do it right in order to win the game. Coaches can be out there five, six, seven days, man, just pounding it into the kids. Dude, run, why are you running this way? You're supposed to run this way. Come game night. What in the world? And if you've never been frustrated in life, coach team, is that right, Ryan? 
Oof. Coach a team of kids. You'll be pulling out what little hair you have left. All right? But if they don't execute and do what they've learned, they won't have a chance to win. And as a Christian, it's the exact same thing. God is showing us and laying out the game plan for us of what we're supposed to be doing. But as Gary said earlier, we have that free will. It's up to us to execute the plan. It's up to us to go out there and share the gospel if we're going to have a chance to win the lost. Man, it's easy to come in here and, and, and take in the word, but when you leave out of here, you've got to give out the word. You just can't keep taking it in. You've got to hear and do. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And it was a great fall. You can't only be hearers of the word. You've got to be doers also. And, and this is something that I, I learned a long time ago, and I don't know if you've ever heard this before. So if you haven't, write this down, man. This is how you need to live your life. It's more than just coming to church. It's becoming the church. It's more than just coming to church. It's becoming the church. Too many times we think, man, I'm here on Wednesdays, I'm here on Sundays, that's enough. It's not enough. You have to be the church when you're outside these walls, when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at Walmart, when you're at the gas station, wherever you are, you have to become the church and be doers of what you hear from God. You can't expect somebody else to do it for you. And a lot of times in life, that's what we do. A lot of times in life, and, I, and I've seen this growing up, and it's not, it's not always here, but at other places I've been, people cannot move on until the pastor prays for them. And that's cool. That's what pastors are here for, to pray for you. But if we could ever get to that point where you understand that, you know what, I can fall to my knees, and I can pray to God, and I can get the same exact results on my own. Because pastors can't save you. We don't have a veil in front of us anymore that we have to stand behind and hope somebody gets the, the word and the prayer up to God. We don't have to make that sacrifice anymore. God made that for us. So we can go boldly to the throne room ourselves. We've got that access. We've got to be doers of the word. James goes on to tell us, starting in verse 23, he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And we had a little bit of fun with this scripture right here on Wednesday night. Think about this for a second. How many of you in this room have already, this moment, forgot what you looked like from when you were getting ready from church this morning? 
All right, how about this? How many of you spent a lot of time in front of the mirror this morning? Don't, don't lie. God, y'all in church. All right? You're in, man, you're in front of the mirror, man. You're doing all this and all this. And all. Some of y'all did it on the way to church. You know, all over the road. But it's like you do that, you, you get all fixed up and pretty up, and you look in the mirror, it's like, that's it. <laughs> and then you get to church, and you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. My, my, my face got to be messed up. <laughs> really? Yeah, I got some of my teeth. I, this eyelash feels weird. I got to go to the bathroom. It's like getting in front of the mirror, fixing yourself up, getting to church and going, what do I look like? That's what James is saying. It's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. Really? It seems kind of comical to me, but we've got to understand who we are in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ, you're going to know that no matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you've got a mirror in front of you or not. And some of the youth... And renovate. We, we call this right here, this Word of God, we call this our mirror. Okay? If you want to know what you're supposed to look like, open it up. If you want to see what you were supposed to look like in a mirror, open it up and start reading, and this reflection will come out, and you'll see it. <coughs> we actually had a couple of, of teenagers, and it's kind of interesting, I guess, but they glued a mirror inside the Bible. <laughs> As a reminder of this is what I'm supposed to look like. Th this is it. You, you don't have to forget. It, it's right here. And that's what James is saying. It's, it's so simple, but it's so true. In verse 25, it says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed. I want my family blessed. I want my ministry blessed. I just want to be blessed. So that tells me that I need to do what this thing says in order to be blessed. And we do that, man, everything's going to be hunky-dory. There's my word. Verse 26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Now, I was, I was reading a couple of different translations this week, and, and there was one word that was a little bit changed in one of the other translations. So I asked him if he would change that word for me, and we're going to read this the exact same way but replacing a word. And let's read verse 26 again. It says, But if anyone among you thinks that he is saved and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's salvation is useless. Wow. If anyone among you thinks he is saved and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's salvation is useless. There's that two ears, one mouth thing again. James keeps coming back to that. You can't just say it. You got to live it. All right? Then, then James goes down to verse 27, and here's where he tells us exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Verse 27, it says, Pure and defiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble 
and keep oneself unspotted from the world. That first part of that, man, here at Faith in You, we, we do that very well. We have spent many a days and hours up at the Home for Children doing things, helping out the orphans there. Man, we've got a group, Rays of Hope, that goes downtown every Tuesday night and helps with the homeless ministry. And when people are in trouble, man, we try our best to reach out to them. So I believe we're doing a, a, a jam-up job of visiting orphans and widows and helping them in their troubles. But I wonder if we're doing as good a job keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. How many times do we give in to the world's way of thinking? How many times do we look at something that we know we shouldn't be looking at, but we're like, ah, it's, it's not that bad. You're becoming spotted. How many times does something come on TV and instead of get, grabbing a remote, change it real quick, we just kind of get sucked into it? Oh, it's not that bad. I'm not really paying attention. Yes, you are. You're becoming spotted. And it says that we are to keep oneself, ourselves unspotted from the world. And I know this sounds, dude, I can't watch anything anymore. <laughs> it's almost true. You can't turn on TV anymore without seeing something. But the Word of God says that we are to be separate from the world. That doesn't mean that we all have to go in this little hut and never go outside. That's, that's not what the word means. We live in this world, but we don't partake of the things of this world. That's how you become separate from the world, so that we don't become spotted from the world. James goes, James goes on to say some powerful words in chapter 2, and I'm going to read several verses from chapter 2 real quick, starting in verse 14. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they are needed for the body, what does it profit? Man, what if on Tuesday nights we went down to the homeless ministry and we just said, Man, I hope you guys do all right. See you later. That's what that's saying. As Christians, we are to take them what they need, not just say it. But, but do it. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Change is awesome, man. You believe that there is one God, you do well. All of us in this room, if I was to say, show me your hands who believes in God, everybody in here would raise your hands. James says, you do well. But look what he says next. He says, even the demons believe. They believe in God and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? God knew that Abraham was saved. Abraham knew that he was saved. Abraham knew that he had God in him. He had faith in God. But it was when he went to that point where he said, you know what, God, okay, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to take my son to the altar. And time to the altar, those works begin to take place. And God, of course, we know how it worked out. God supplied a sacrifice for him so he didn't have to do that. All right? 
Do you see that faith is, was working together with his works, and by works faith is made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Man, the word is telling us here that we must be doers, not hearers only, and we must put our faith in action. Do I believe that God can do anything? Absolutely. But do I also believe that he wants to use me to see some of that stuff done? Absolutely. I believe I can call upon God and pray to God, and man, just like that, boom, things have changed. It can happen because that's who he is. But at the same point, we've got to understand that God wants to use you to make some of that stuff happen. Doers and not hearers only. Put your faith in action. That's what he's saying here. Jesus says in John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Man, it's all right here. Plain and simple. Be doers of this right here, not just hearers only. Gary, if you will come on up. I wonder how many of us hear but never actually do. That's what we've got to understand as Christians. A lot of we hear popping and stuff. A lot of times we hear, but we don't actually step out in this thing and do. I wonder today how many of us need to be living out our faith in God instead of worrying about what the world is saying about us. A lot of us, let's just be honest, we're afraid to go out and be who God's called us to be because we're worried about what everybody else is going to say about us. We're worried about what our friends are going to say. We're worried about how we're going to look in front of all these different people. Who cares? If you're being a doer of the word and not a hearer only, you could care less what everybody else thinks about you. Man, if you walk in Walmart and you just start witnessing the people, inviting people to church, and they look at you like you're crazy, and you stop, oh, God, people think I'm stupid. i got to stop. You get to that point where you don't care. Man, you just go out and you do your thing. I saw a video a couple, well, about a week and a half ago now that someone had posted on Facebook, and I reposted it. I was going to bring it and play it this morning, but I just forgot. Sorry. But anyway, I'll tell you what it did. There was this church group. It was a group of about 20 people, and they went to this mall. It was like Mall of America because it had like three or four floors. It showed the mall, and I was like, whoa, dude, we don't have one of those. Hey, what's small? But all of a sudden, right in the middle of the mall, Santa Claus is there, people sitting on his lap. Some lady walks up and just starts singing Christmas carols about God. It's all by herself. People stopping going, dude, there's something wrong with this woman, you know? I mean, think about it. Then all of a sudden, all over the mall, they had people stationed everywhere. They all started singing with her. It was like a mass choir in this mall. 
And every Christmas carol they were singing was about God. It wasn't Jingle Bells. It wasn't Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It was everything about God. Jesus Christ being born. That song would end, then all of a sudden someone else, somewhere else would start singing. And everybody's attention would go, what in the world's going on? And all over the mall, this kept going for like seven different songs. And finally ended up with one lady singing Silent Night. And all of a sudden, through the mall, here comes this, this man and woman dressed up like Mary and Joseph carrying a baby. And they get right beside where Santa Claus is at. And people in the mall are singing. And some of them start bowing down and worshiping. They didn't care. They could care less what people were thinking. They could care less that people were there to see Santa Claus. They brought the true gift to them. They became doers of the word and not hearers only. I mean, I thought, man, how great would that be? Chris, you ready? You ain't going to be Joseph. You're going to be baby Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, how great is that and how awesome is that to think that, dude, they brought the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this busy mall where people are frantic trying to find what they, what they got to have for Christmas, the presence, and they brought the presence of God. They weren't just hearers of the word. They were doers of the word. I mean, remember what it said in James 1:27: keep ourselves unspotted from the world. It's easy to go and get caught up in all that stuff and forget about what this true meaning is this time of year that we celebrate. And I want to encourage you this morning to be doers of the word and not hearers only.